standing this morning, get your Bibles out, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, for those of you that are here every week with us, we are going through a series in the book of Luke, and we are now uh, in chapter 9. But if you remember last year, we started uh, before we were fully here in January, we, we went through some of the early passages, and then uh, some of the men here went through the Christmas passages, and I just had a, an itch to go through with them with you this year as well. So we, this is part of our series, but we're just going back about eight chapters here. To Luke chapter 1, and on Wednesday night we read the announcement of the birth of Jesus, and we spent some time studying the name of Jesus and what that meant and the description that the angel Gabriel gave to Mary. And we're continuing here in this next part of the text here in Luke chapter 1, and let's begin reading together uh, in verse 39. It says, And Mary arose in those days, and sent into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. And there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. And he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. We look here in verse 46, Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. We're going to look at this text together this morning, um, and the thought we're going to be looking at this morning from God's word is, what are we magnifying? What are we magnifying? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word, the privilege that it is to have it in our possession today and, and to be in church, God, to hear it preached and to worship together, to fellowship, to be encouraged. God, I pray to be this now for the next few moments as we're here in the in the message time, and God, I pray that you'd be with me as I preach. Help me, God, to say what you have me to say. Guide my thoughts, guide my words. Lord, I pray it be with those in the pew today, or that they would leave encouraged and helped. Lord, I pray that we all would have an open heart and mind, ready to evaluate, and Lord, observe, Lord, possibly some things that we're magnifying in our life that we shouldn't, and some things that we should be that we aren't. Lord, bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As you look here in this text, Mary made a journey to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who, as we know, if you know this story, was also expecting a very special baby as well, John the Baptist. If you look there on the back of your bulletin, we have a spot there for you on notes, and occasionally we'll put a picture there. And if you look at that picture, this is a picture of the hill country there in Judah, where they believe Zechariah and Elizabeth most likely lived, and where Mary had traveled to and through to get to them here in this portion of Scripture. And when Mary arrived at Elizabeth's house, she spoke to her, and the Bible says that the baby in her womb, Elizabeth, and John the Baptist, jumped for joy in that moment. 
It's really not part of the message today, but it's a little reminder from the Bible that life begins at conception. That living organism in the womb of Elizabeth, that living organism in the womb of Mary was, were two babies that were precious in the sight of God. I mean, look in the word of God in the book of Jeremiah chapter 1, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. Life begins in the womb, not outside the womb. And this is a warning as we get into this message today, not to fall prey to the unbiblical ideologies of society, abortion is murder. And we see that the baby Jesus was in Mary, that John the Baptist leapt, leaped in the womb. Uh, the Holy Spirit stirred him even there at that moment in his mother Elizabeth. And as all this happened, Elizabeth responded as Mary approached her by telling her she's blessed. She says, Mary, you believed in the Lord. You're obedient to him. You have faith in him. And God is going to do through you and in you what he has promised he will do. And as Elizabeth spoke, Mary heard these things. And even though we look at Mary here, in Luke chapter 1, she was young. She's a teenage girl. Unmarried still at the time, and she was pregnant. We see Mary there in verse 46, lifting up her voice before God. I want you all this morning just to put yourself in her position, if you would. As we look at Mary, and no doubt as young as she was in the great responsibility that she was now bearing that God brought on her. Do you think this was an easy thing for Mary to deal with? As, as we hear the news, we saw the angel come to her and we saw the, the questioning and the, the wonder about her heart. And, and we, look at, we even look as, as God, the angel, came to Zechariah, the husband of Elizabeth, and told him about John the Baptist coming as they had been barren for so many years. We, we see as this came to Mary's life, I, I have no doubt today it was a hard thing for Mary to deal with. What a responsibility it was for her to take on. I can think back about eight years in our life. Back to late 2015 and, and we found out after having three children, Jackson, our oldest, was only four at the time. We had, we had three already, four and under. We find out number four is on the way, and so uh, since we'd had a baby about every 18 months, we were pretty experienced with how this goes, and when we need to go to the doctor, what needs to happen, what everything's going to be like, so we waited a little longer than normally we normally had in the past for this fourth baby and the appointment that came, and I remember uh, going there, I think it was October of 2015, and, and going there to the doctor, and we're there for the ultrasound, and we'd waited long enough for this first ultrasound was going to possibly tell us the gender, and we were looking forward to that, and I'll never forget when they uh, began to, to do the ultrasound, the nurse looks at us and she goes, oh, you knew there's more than one. And I look at Hallie and she looks at me and, and then I look at the screen and I go, uh, how many are there? <laughs> as, I, as I looked at that monitor there in front of me, it looked like there was 10 of them just going around on that screen and I, I'm just thinking, how in the world has this happened? And, and number four turned into twin, twin girls, as you know, Claire and Ruby uh, that were running around here today. But number four, we got two at once. What a surprise that was. For those of you that remember those days of finding out you were having children and the great surprise it was, it was also a great responsibility. A lot of pressure. And responsibilities that come in life, really beyond children, can be very consuming at times, can't they? There may be someone here this morning that has the great responsibility, something that is consuming their mind, a lot of pressure when it comes to the job. 
Maybe things haven't turned out like you hoped they would or as you thought they would. Maybe you look at your family and there's certain aspects of the family, certain people in the family that are greatly struggling right now and you're burdened for them. You're worried how things are going to turn out. There may be a temptation in your life or a stronghold that you've been dealing with for some time now that brings a lot of pressure and burden. The, the burden of health. The holidays and the expectations of the holidays bring quite a bit of responsibility and burdens. What is our response? As the pressures are on you at this point and at this moment in your life, what comes from your heart? What comes from your mouth in those moments? Is it fear or faith? Is it worry or worship? What is being magnified in your life? We look at Mary, this unmarried, pregnant maiden, carrying the child of God. It's a lot of responsibility. A lot of unknown in that. And as we see her response as she went to her cousin Elizabeth's home, we see her response as reveals a great love and a great faith in God and a life that had been saturated in the scriptures. And we see the words of Mary here, and as we look at her words, we can be encouraged to praise God in spite of circumstances that the moment may bring, and understand that God's grace is sufficient even in the most troublesome or burdensome of times. If you look in your Bible there, it's it's quite possible you have a division above verse 46 where it's called the Magnificat. It's a Latin translation of a few words that Mary speaks here, and It's the name of this song that she sang or she poetically spoke to her cousin there in this moment. But when she said, she said, my soul magnifies or my soul celebrates the Lord. Mary's response to the pressure was a hymn of praise to God. In her great uncertainty, she magnified the Lord. There's a few things I want to encourage you to magnify today. The first thing we find is magnify his salvation. You know, Mary, the first thing she could do as she magnified the Lord was express her personal praise to God for the blessings in her life. And can I, can I point out to you there in verse 46, Mary knew why this happened to her. Mary knew why this great blessing was there. Mary knew why this is, was happening in her life. She understood the scriptures. She knew it was God that brought these things in her life. And as we look at, at Mary, and, her, and no doubt she had knowledge of the scripture, her song has many similarities here in verse 46 to 55 of the song that Hannah sang in in 1 Samuel chapter 2. We're not going to go there for time's sake, but I'd encourage you, if you'd like to study this later, compare this song of Mary to what we would find in 1 Samuel chapter 2. It's very similar. Hannah prayed, My soul rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord. Very similar. You know, every gift that we have is from above. That's what the Bible says. And God deserves your praise. God made you, God loved you before you knew who you were or who he was. Before you even knew anything you were ever going to do, before you knew what this life was about, before you had any experiences, God sent his only son Jesus to die and pay a debt that you could never pay. And God deserves the praise. Mary knew who deserved the praise. And I love as we look in verse 47, she prays and she magnified God, her Savior. The first object that she praised God for was for salvation. 
She's praising God for the salvation that she possessed because of him. And and I want to tell you today, you may be here with the pressures of life or circumstances may not be what you want them to be. You look at your life and things are falling apart. But if you've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus and you have a reason to praise your God today. Jesus himself said, notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice. Why? Because your names are written in heaven. That's a reason to praise. There are a few things, there are things in this life that may call for rejoicing from us. And there's things in this life that may not call for rejoicing from us. But no matter what, if you are saved today, you can rejoice because your name is found written in heaven. Because you've been saved, you don't have to go to hell. Because you've been saved, you have the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. You have access to heaven. You have access to God in prayer. You can experience the presence of God throughout eternity. So as Paul wrote in the book of Hebrews, let us therefore offer our sacrifice of praise, how often? Continually. I want to encourage you, remember your salvation every day. I can think back as a, think a ninth grader and at summer camp there at our church. A preacher preached this message out of 2 Peter chapter 1, and it's a passage that I, I shared. I believe it was the day that we sent our kids off for camp there at the end of June. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it lists out a, a list of responsibilities or things that need to be added on to our life. Virtue, knowledge, um, charity, all those things there that we find in 2 Peter 1. And then he says, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, for he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his own sins. And that preacher preached that day that if we could just remember what was done for us, it makes it a lot easier to serve God, doesn't it? Those moments, those times where you think truly of the sacrifice your Savior made for you, it it impacts your thinking. It impacts your actions. It impacts the way you treat other people. It impacts the, the way you speak, the things that you do. It impacts every aspect of your life. And I want to encourage you today, remember your salvation every day. Because no matter what comes in your life, knowing without a shadow of a doubt heaven is your home is a cause for rejoicing. It'll make a difference. You know, Mary knew that she didn't deserve it. She knew she didn't merit it. What is significant about her saying the words, my Savior? You think about that? Mary Mary calling God her Savior. Mary entered the world the same way you and I did. She entered the world in the same condition. She was a sinner who needed a Savior. There's certain religions in the world that we live in that may refer to Mary as the mother of God and revere her. And we need to respect her. We need to praise God for her. But with that language and teaching, people are encouraged to pray to Mary as if she could do something for them. And she's lifted up to a point to where she can be worshipped. She's blessed. I think we all agree there. Elizabeth called her blessed. But we can look from Mary's own perspective this morning that she knew who she was, a sinner in need of a Savior. Mary understood that the one she was carrying was going to save her, just like you and I understand that Jesus came to save us today. And if Mary needed a Savior, the person that God chose to be the human mother of God in the flesh, then you can be sure that you need a Savior as well.
No one goes to heaven without Jesus. And she spoke there in verse 48. She says, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. That word regard there means to turn the eyes upon. Mary was speaking to Elizabeth and she said she understood she's a nobody that has experienced the grace of God. She understood she did not deserve the favor that God has extended to her at this point. And that is another reason for rejoicing, isn't it? Not only did God save you, but God saved you when you didn't deserve saving. God in his grace loves you. God in his grace reached down from heaven and saved us as we respond to him in faith and faith alone. And to be regarded of the Lord, to have God's eyes look on you today is a tremendous thing that merits praise. Is that enough reason for you today? Mary magnified his salvation. Secondly, she magnified his character. She said there in verse 49, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. She's magnifying his, his character, his characteristics, first of all, and his power. You know, if we went back in, in chapter, in, in just a few verses before this, in, in verse 35, she's already experienced the power of God firsthand in her life. The angel comes to her and she finds out as a virgin she's going to be carrying the child of God. Look there in verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Look at verse 37. For with God, what's that next word? Nothing shall be impossible. I think that's a powerful God, isn't it? God had everything Mary needed to perform the task at hand. And God has everything available to you and to me to make a difference for him as he's commanded. He's instructed us. You have, in, your, in, in your hands today, many of you have the copy of God's word. The light to our path. We, we have everything we need to live for God in this world. And we look at our, our theme for the year. We just have a couple weeks left in this theme. It's not by might, not by our own personal strength, not by our power, by a group of people with us, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. We get it done through the spirit of God. And you may look at your responsibilities today as we spoke about. Those burdens of life. Or simply today just the responsibility of trying to be the Christian God would have you to be. And we look at all the temptations, all the opposition, all the people that may be against us, all the reasons that we shouldn't do this. And we may think, I can't. I want to remind you today, God has everything available to you to, to obey him and to bring fruit in this Christian life. He does. Jesus, after he gave the great commission, he says, you shall receive power. He also said something to the effect of, lo, I am with you, what? Always. If you are saved, the Holy Spirit has sealed you. Never going to leave. Everything you need is, is available to you right now to, to, to walk in truth and to obey the Lord. We're going to look at that more in the book of Romans tonight. That same spirit, that same power that worked a miracle in Mary is the same power that is available to every believer. She magnified the character of God, first of all, in his power. Secondly, his holiness. She said, holy is his name. You understand today your God is holy, don't you? 
She declared his name was holy. That means it is free from sin. It is free of injustice. There's no impurities. Holy is his name. Why, why would Mary list or mention the attribute of the holiness of God? Because holiness is his central attribute. To, to say God is holy is to say he's one of a kind or he's in a class all by himself. To, to say or state that God is holy and to praise him or, or, uh, or magnify his holiness is to affirm his exclusivity or his uniqueness, his unrivaled authority and power. That's another reason why Mary should not be exalted to a deified status. She understood God is holy. He's set apart. She's not like him. He's separate. He's exalted. And the phrase that she used not only referred to God's absolute moral righteousness, but also to him being set apart as the sovereign authority over all people. There's none like him. God in your life is to be held in highest esteem and to be feared. He's unmatched. You know, she magnified his character in referring to power and holiness. Third thing. His mercy. Verse 50 says, And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Even though God is holy, understand this. Even though God is holy, set apart above every single one of us, he shows his mercy to you. Yeah, I'm thankful that as we look in scripture, we, we aren't just given the, the knowledge of the power of God and the holiness of God, because if that's all we had, how could we ever feel like we could approach him? You ever thought about that? She's emphasizing beyond those two things, his mercy. Our God that is high and lifted up, our God that is holy, our God that is set apart, our God that is without sin, without blemish, without a matched authority or power, came as Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He couldn't have been with us or wouldn't be with us if he didn't humble himself or lower himself to be with us. You know, God's mercy and grace are very close in meaning. They both emphasize undeserved favor. But mercy also implies God's compassion due to our miserable condition. He sent Jesus to be the payment for our sin. Mary knew she wasn't the only one who received mercy from God. His mercy was on Mary and to every sinner to ever walk the face of this earth, every generation. Mary understood God and his mercy, who he came from. You can look in verse 51, the helpless. We can look in verse 52, the, the humble. Verse 53, the hungry. And beyond that, he gave it to all, every person needs his mercy. There's mercy for God to save sinners. There's mercy to reclaim those that have backslidden from the ways of God. There's mercy for the battles of your life. There's mercy for the trials, mercy for the valleys, mercy for every situation that you face in this life. So we should magnify him, shouldn't we? Magnify his salvation. Secondly, magnify his character. Third thing this morning, magnify his provision. We see the protection of God there in verse 51. He has showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud and the imagination of their hearts. Verse 52. 
He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them a low degree. Maybe sometime we'll take a deeper dive into these two verses, but there's so much here for us. But we understand Mary knew what God had done to protect her people. He'd often protected them in time of battle and war. We can look at the Bible when the proud Assyrians or the Egyptians or the Babylonians came against the people of God. God would often scatter those enemies and he would drive them away from the armies of Israel. Then we see the sovereignty of God playing out throughout the word of God and throughout human history. God is control of history from start to finish. God at this point in Mary's life, she knew from, from what she could observe in her day and she also knew from what the Bible, the law had said that God exercised power throughout history and would continue to do that. Mary could look back on Pharaoh and her people there in bondage in Egypt and how he wouldn't let them go and what did God do? Brought ten plagues. They get released, the Red Sea's in front of them, they're trapped, the army's coming quickly and God parts the Red Sea, God provides water, God provides food, God, God leads them with a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. God in his sovereignty was in control of every situation even when it seemed out of hand. What about Nebuchadnezzar? We're finishing up here in just a couple weeks the life of Elijah. We, we see Nebuchadnezzar in, in those Old Testament stories and Ahab in the life of Elijah and all, all the enemies, all the opposition, all the problems there. Jeroboam, the pagan rulers that we can find. The, God brought down, the, brought down the prideful, brought down the rulers. You know, Mary is magnifying God in this instance and that's important to Mary because the angel said that she was carrying the Messiah, the one that one day was going to rule. An understanding if God had said that was his place, that God in his sovereignty will make sure that happens. She continued on in verse 53 about the goodness of God. Again, there's, there's so much here, but we see that first thing there that he filled the hungry with good things. I want you to understand this morning, when you realize you need him, you have all you need. There's so many people that are full of everything else in this world, depending on so many things in this world that they don't need God. They don't realize what's missing. You know, Jesus in the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, Why? for they shall be filled. Mary's reminding us that those who realize their needs can come to God and be filled, but as we look in the rest of that verse, those who think they have need of nothing can expect exactly nothing from God. There's many, there's many people today, unsaved and saved alike, that see themselves through rose-colored glasses. And we look at our life and, and, you know, we understand the Bible tells us what we need. We need Jesus. But there's people in, in this world today, people not, in, not looking to any church today, that may see themselves and say, you know, I'm, I'm as good as that crowd down there at the church. Or, I'm a good person. I don't steal. I haven't done this. I don't hurt anybody. I mind my own business. I may not be in church, as I know the Bible says, but at least I'm not a hypocrite like many of them that are there. There's many today, just as the church was in Revelation of Laodicea. Those, those words that, that touch me every time I see them, that have need of nothing. Failed to see they were the neediest people of all. If you go in through this life, Trying to find hope and purpose in everything away from God, you'll never find it. 
It'll never be enough. With all the things the, the, the people possessed in the church of Laodicea, they, they still lacked everything they needed. Mary looked to her God and magnified his salvation, magnified his character. Third thing, magnified his provision. Last thing today, we need to magnify his faithfulness. She says there in verse 54, he hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Mary just continued to praise God not only for the blessings in her life, And for the blessings on the generations before her. But she also praised the Lord for remembering to do what he promised to do. She exalted his name because her God did not forget her people. If you go back to the end of the Old Testament, we find prophecy after prophecy of one day a Messiah coming. And for about 400 years there was darkness. Nothing. The Jews, they would follow the law, they would share the, 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 the uh, law with each other, they would read the writings of the major prophets, the minor prophets, they had all the things, the Psalms of David, the writings of Solomon, they had all these things and they had this promise from God that one day the Messiah would come to help them and redeem them. Generation after generation they wait. Generation after generation they tell their, their children that the Messiah one day will come and they were under bondage and as Mary is carrying that Messiah in her womb she praised God for being a God that keeps his word this Messiah was finally coming to redeem the people and to restore the nation to a, a place of righteousness and favor Jesus was the Exact and ultimate fulfillment of those promises. Can I remind you today that God still keeps his promises? And he will never allow anything he has promised to do go undone. What does Romans chapter 4 tell us in being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform? Whatever God has said he can do. And that's why in your life, no matter what comes in your life, you can... God can be trusted in every situation. If God says he can save you, you can trust him to save you. If God says he will keep you, you can trust him to keep you. If God has promised daily provision and provide for your needs, you can trust that he will do that. God will do what he said he will do. He's faithful. So we as Christians need to learn to trust him, don't we? We need to learn to praise him. Even when the answers haven't come. If there's one thing that you can leave this church aware of today, you can leave aware that you can depend on God. Love what Peter wrote, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Praise him for his faithfulness. We should praise God for keeping his promises even before we see the promises fulfilled and understand God remembers his people. Mary was rejoicing in the fact that God hadn't forgotten about the people of Israel. They were his people then, they're still his people today. And praise his name that he remembers those who have placed their faith in him. 
If you put your faith and trust in, for, to him in salvation, you are a child of God. You've been adopted in the family. Nothing will ever change that. God will remember you. But often in our life, things get hard, don't they? Those burdens come, those difficulties come, disappointments come, and sometimes we feel far from him and forgotten by him. Can I remind you what he told us? In Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Can I remind you the verse that you helped me with just a little bit ago, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Magnify him. We're not going to go to Numbers for time's sake, but if we were to look at Numbers chapter 13, we'd find a story that we'd heard since Sunday school. The 12 spies going into the land of Canaan and they went and they explored what was there available to them that God had promised, but also to see what the enemy was like. And we know the song, 12 of them went to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad and 2 were good. Two came back talking about the, 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 the great fruit of the land, the milk and honey and how beautiful the land that God had promised them was and they magnified their God and his provision and all that was there for them but 10 of them came back and said we are like grasshoppers in their sight. They magnified the enemy, they magnified the opposition, they magnified everything in their way of having what it was that God wanted them to have. You know, a great problem for Christians is that so many of us magnify the problem instead of the God bigger than the problem. And the question for us today is, what or who are we magnifying? Here's six things that we'll magnify. The troubles we experience. How often do we talk about our problems? <laughs> How's your, so there's some people, we, 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 in a friendly way, we say, how was your day? We usually expect, great, good, I'm doing great. But sometimes we don't hear that, do we? <laughs> sometimes we can take ourselves and people around us into a state of unbelief. Great lack of hope. Sometimes we magnify the trouble. Sometimes we magnify what the devil is doing. We need to be wise about our enemy. The Bible tells us to, right? He's seeking who he made of our. Be wise, walk circumspectly, be aware. But sometimes we magnify the devil and his attacks more than we're magnifying the God who promised victory. Spiritual warfare is about looking to the light, not the darkness. Many magnify their past. There are certainly times where we need to break agreements and, and, and tendencies and we need to rem remember what's happened so we don't make the same mistakes again. But there's so many Christians that are just idle and, and waiting and are not growing in the Lord because they're, they're so focused and, and, and stuck on their, their past mistakes and what they feel they cannot or, or cannot do for God. And as we focus on the past, we make our weaknesses bigger than our God is. What about our disadvantages or incapabilities? We have very clear instruction, don't we? But sometimes we magnify our, our limits. 
or what we can't do or what we're not good at. Instead of the God who told us we shall receive power and that we can do all things through God which strengthens us. Fifth thing, what about our feelings? How often do those feelings get magnified and they get bigger and bigger and bigger and they keep us from trusting God? Do you have to feel saved to be saved? No. Do you have to feel the strength of God to trust that it's there to help you? No. Do you have to feel worthy? Or do you you have to feel worthy to live for God? No. You need to understand we're unworthy. If we spend all our time magnifying emotions and how we feel, we'll make our feelings bigger than God. What about the faults of others? I think all of us can think of someone that we may have looked up to that failed us. Maybe a, an old preacher that maybe said something that hurt our feelings. Maybe an old preacher that fell into sin disappointed you a family member that you thought loved God and loved you that is is no longer there there's many people today that are not serving God and are not obeying him because they just magnify the faults of everybody around them instead of realizing what people do does not change who God is what are we magnifying this young girl is in the highest season of stress in her life Given a great task, she magnified and celebrated her God. How can you magnify him today? Two things, we're done. 30 seconds, you ready? Obey him. How can you magnify God? Do what he says. If you believe in and follow God, let him be first place in your life and do what he says. The apostles in the book of Acts says we ought to obey God rather than man. Purpose right now, if you want to magnify your God, Obey, what he, obey him, do what he says. Second thing, obey him and speak of him. Speak of him privately and publicly. Now, an example just came to my mind, Paul and Silas. They were doing what God wanted them to do. They got thrown into a Roman prison. Locked up. Nighttime. What do they do? They magnified God in a jail cell. They lifted him up. Two things happened. First thing is God delivered. He he protected them. He delivered them from that. You know what else happened? Somebody else's life was changed. Not just one man, his whole family. No matter what happens in your life, if you magnify God, even even in the bad times, God will give you everything you need. He'll bring a peace to your heart. He'll deliver you out of difficult situations. But the second thing, it'll make a difference in everybody that hears you. Obey him and speak of him. In your difficulty, in your feeling of inadequacy, in your season of waiting, magnify God. In the good times, magnify him. In the bad times, magnify him. In the uncertain times, magnify him. When nothing makes sense, magnify him. Carry the song of Mary in your heart. Let's read verse 46 and 47. We'll be done. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Every head bowed, every eye closed.